Let's journey now into God's Word. If you'll turn in your New Testaments to John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10, as we continue in our series, The Jesus We Need, not the, not the Jesus on the PBS uh, documentary about Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. It's the one presented in the Bible, the one who is able to make his own claims about who he is. The one who is able to, by the Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning, the Jesus that we need. John 10, 7 through 10. This is the very word of God. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me, they are thieves and robbers, but the sheep... The true sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I love uh, Kindle books. I know there are some of you, you have to be able to tactily hold the book and maybe you feel like your eyes can't handle the screen, but I like Kindle books because you can take like 600 books in a little tablet, you know, and I like audio books as well, but I don't know if y'all have discovered these, um, these Kindle books like Amazon Kindle books or eBooks of some sort. And so you got all the, all the books and I can put them in a really large font, which is helpful to me at age 56. But I don't know if you discovered, but some of them have this feature where you can you can push a button and there's like it, it reads to you. It's like a computerized voice, unfortunately, um, kind of reads the text to you, and uh, it's amazing. But but I will tell you, if you've never done that, it's not that great. The the technology of the computerized voice is, is leaves a lot to be desired. It's like it's like machines just don't know how to tell a story. It's like even when the machine is telling a story, it's more like it's just kind of stating certain facts. You know what I mean? Once upon a time, there was a man who lived, you know, that kind of thing. But what if you could press a button and have a voice read your life out loud? I'm talking about read your heart Out loud, what would that be like? For many of us, it might sound something like this. What can I get from Jesus to help my life? I am glad I have Jesus. I am safe. Now I need to get on with my life, Jesus. I am glad to have you come along. Here's what I'm going to do, Jesus. Now bless it. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Because I'm I'm you as well. But those are often like the real facts that are going on in our hearts. And unfortunately, those facts actually do turn into our story. And I want you to know this morning that God wants more for you than simply lining up desired facts to make your life better. Let me say that again. God wants more for you than for you simply to line up 
desired facts to make your life better. Oh, did I mention and sprinkle a little Jesus on top of it when you line it all up the way you want it to be? Now, God wants to be our Savior in this passage and our shepherd who leads us. That's what this is about, that God wants, wants us. He wants us to be our Savior, but He also wants to be our leader. He wants to be our provider. He wants to be our shepherd in a love relationship with Him. Now, this is the third I Am statement of Jesus. There are seven statements in John's Gospel, I Am the bread of life. The, the, the two were, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, and now I am the door. But here's what's important for you to understand this morning, and it's really, really cool. The door, write this down on your bulletin, the door is the shepherd. You may not understand that now, you will in a moment. The door is the shepherd. That's what I'd like for, for us to understand first. And then secondly, we're going to talk about following the shepherd because he's the shepherd and we're sheep. The door is the shepherd. Now, in the ancient Middle East, sheep were pretty much like then, like they are today. And I'd like to read to you from, from one of my commentaries. It just does a better job of setting the scene than I could. All, of all domesticated animals, sheep are the most helpless. Sheep spend their entire day grazing, wandering from place to place, and ne while never looking up. As a result, sheep often become lost. Sheep have no homing instinct as other animals do. They are totally incapable of finding their way to the sheepfold even when it's in plain sight. Also, sheep are easily susceptible to injuries and are utterly helpless against predators. If a wolf enters the sheep pen, they will not defend themselves. They won't try to run away or even try to spread out. Instead, they will huddle together where they are easily slaughtered. If sheep fall into moving water, they normally drown because they don't swim and they don't know what to do. Sheep, in fact, fear moving water and usually will not drink from a stream or lake unless the water is relatively still. That is why David said in the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, quiet waters that I can drink from. I continue. As night fell, night's a bad time for sheep. And for us sometimes. As night fell, the, the shepherd would lead the sheep to protection in what was called the sheepfold. And the sheepfold or the sheep pen you know, this lot, sheep lot, we might call it, uh, was nothing more than a, than a, a, a fairly little large, I mean, little, little but not huge, or not, not, what am I trying to say? Not small. Um, of, of a wall that was just built with rocks stacked on top of one another so that it would keep the sheep in. And then there were briars and thorns placed on top of the rocks to keep thieves from climbing over the rocks at night. They get the, the big thorns in them when they would they would come in so if you can just see this circle of a rock wall except for one place there's a gap that gap is the only way you can get in or out of the sheepfold all right so the the shepherd himself 
would keep the sheep in the fold and keep the predators out by literally at night lying across the gap. I mean, that's where he would sleep. You understand what I'm Can you see this picture? This, the round wall, just a, like a shepherd, average height of a shepherd gap. He brings the sheep in and he literally lies down to protect the sheep. Now you can see why they understood as Jesus began this chapter, if you just look back uh, at verse 1 as he talks about how he is the shepherd, when, they, when, when Jesus said, as the shepherd, I am the door, they all went, I got it. Literally, he's the door. The, the door is the shepherd. Lies down across the gap to protect me. And he is the door who alone decides who's going into that sheep pen and keeps everything and everybody out of that sheep pen who does not belong there. It's very exclusive. It's just the true sheep. It's just his sheep that come into the sheep pen. Verse 8, all who came before me... They are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me or through me, he will be saved. Christ talks about how there are thieves and robbers. He means thieves and robbers of people's souls, of people's lives, to distract them from the one sent from God to save us. The one full of grace and truth sent from God to reconnect us with God. The the, the man Jesus Christ. He's talking about himself. Um, He's speaking basically, generally, of, of everyone who would suggest another way to God other than himself. Uh, I know that, you know, in our culture today, people generally kind of uh, either hate Jesus or they hate his followers, maybe. But a lot of people kind of like Jesus, but they don't like his followers and this type of thing. But uh, even a lot of those folks just kind of have this idea Jesus is just really a nice person who did good things for people that needed good things to be done for them. And Jesus just loved peace and all this. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus was those things. They don't really, unfortunately, let Jesus speak for himself sometimes. You see, four chapters later in John 14 in verse 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the door. If anyone comes through me, he will be saved. Now notice Jesus didn't say I am a door. He is the door. Anyone who suggests another way is a trickster. From Christ's perspective, a thief. And what Christ would be saying to us in a modern world of global communication is, hey, it's great for everybody to express what they believe and think. It's fine. And by the way, don't, don't get upset when people express what they believe. Would you just listen to them? And, and talk with them, and maybe you get to share what you believe without a fight. Wouldn't that be great? Just to listen politely and maybe be able to share what you believe without a fight, and you might even hear things that they say that would be helpful and principles that might even be helpful in your journey. But uh, what Jesus would be saying to us in this democratization of, of, of religion in our 
our new world and, and global world and in the old world is don't fall for isms. Don't fall for isms. See, Jesus here isn't talking about the world religions of our day. I'll tell you what he's talking about with the scribes and Pharisees and very specific what he's talking about. He's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. They're the thieves and robbers in this text, the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, what are they about? You know, what, what is their door to salvation? Well, uh, they're all about their, their system of rules. Their system of religion, which is a system of rules, and did I mention that they only can really administer that system in a way that, that it needs to be administered, so we got to have them. They're very important. If you listen to them, the Pharisees, Jesus says, they are not true shepherds. To them, you know what the door is? The door to salvation is to the Pharisees, and it is to uh, really the human heart. It's the law. If I do certain good things, I'll be okay with God. If I gave money here and did this and went to certain holy places and did this, did that, did the other, lined up religious facts in order, then I would be acceptable to God. But, but here's the problem is the law cannot open us to eternal life because you know what the law of God is in the, the Old Testament and the New Testament? The law of God is a perfect reflection of the, the holy character of God. The law allows us to see God in, in all His majesty and His holiness, and then the law becomes a mirror by which we see ourselves and realize that we are far from what we are reading about God. You know, this whole thing kind of rests on what you believe about God and what you believe about people, right? Because, I mean, if you don't think God's holy, if God's just nice, a nice guy or, 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 or a, a good force, you know, if you went into Eastern religion, it's a good force, um, if that's who God is to you and God's really that not holy, then you don't need a Savior. You just need some laws. You just kind of need to line up with what He wants you to do. What is the old saying? If God, if, if I'm not that bad, well, He's raising me up uh, way above where I ought to be in my selfish heart. I'm not that bad and God's not that mad, you know, bringing God down. And so there's, there's about this much, you know, uh, space between me and God. So there's not really a need for Jesus. We just, we just do the law. But the law can't open us to eternal life because we can't keep it. If God really is holy, we can't become like He is on our own. Eleven years ago, I went to t- do some teaching for um, Mission to the World, our, our mission sending agency in, in our denomination, it, to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And uh, in this particular hotel, it was in the Muslim area of KL, they call it KL, and uh, about three blocks away from the hotel was one of the great wonders of the world, the Muslim world. It's called the Blue Mosque. It's the largest religious dome, you know, churches, mosques, any religious building, but it is the largest dome of any religious building. It it can hold 24,000 worshipers. So I want to go see that. So, you know, a group of us, we, we, you know, walk down the sidewalk and down the street and you, you, you got there and you had to like, um, put on certain garments that they provided, 
put on certain garments. The women had to wear different garments than the men. You kind of had to be dressed for the occasion. You had to take your shoes off, all these things. There's kind of a station to kind of, once you were there, to get ready to, to go to the Blue Mosque and you go up this, this series of stairs. It was a magnificent building. And, um, and the whole dome was just like blue and white, you know, like, like azure blue and white. And um, so we got to the big doorway of the Blue Mosque. It was a huge doorway. And we got there, and there was a guy standing at the door. And he was standing at the door for a reason. He was standing at the door to keep people like me out. Because, politely, he said, uh, are you Muslims? Muslims, he said. Are you Muslims? And we said, no, we're not. And uh, he said, then, then this is as far as you can go. He said, now, if you want to become a Muslim, like right then and there, you can come on in. And I wasn't feeling it, so. <laughs> but, but the reason I'm telling you the story is uh, that's not all he said. You know, he was actually what we would consider a Muslim evangelist. I could tell that he, he, you know, he was not hostile toward us, but... He basically gave us the turn or burn version of, of Islam right at the door. And he said, well, basically, if I could just translate it to you in Southern English, he told us what we needed to do to be saved. Now, you know, sometimes we, we have wrong beliefs as Christians about Islam. And one of them is, is that, that Jesus and, and, and Muhammad are pretty much, you know, on the same plane like they're... That, our Jesus and their Muhammad are kind of like the same figures in the respective religions. That's not true. Our Jesus is the Savior, and it is through Him and His body and His work that we come through the door, right? There, Muhammad is not a Savior. He is simply a prophet who gave the Quran. The Quran is their Jesus. He said, you know, the blessed prophet has given us I'll never forget the way he said it, the rule of Islam. He said, basically he said, you want to be saved? You obey these laws. And it was wild because he was real nice until that point. He said, and now I need to tell you, you've been warned and your soul depends on submitting to Islam. And I said, well, thank you so much. (laughs) Kind of the way some people talk to us after we kind of maybe are a little rough with them. so glad that salvation is not about me keeping the law. I'm so glad that God so loved this world that He sent His only Son. I'm so glad that this Messiah, this person in the fullness of time was born of a woman to be one of us, born under the law to perfectly fulfill the law that I couldn't fulfill in my place. And to die a sacrificial death to literally pay the, the complete price for my sins, and they are many and yours too, against a holy God. And he said at the end, it is finished, it is paid in full, there's nothing left. I'm so glad that my salvation does not revolve on whether I keep the law. But it is through Jesus. I am the door. And remember, the, the, the door is the shepherd, right? 
Well, and that is, that is great Christian theology. Remember, the shepherd literally would lie his body down at that gap to keep out the predators, bring people into his sheepfold, so to speak. Well, I want you to know it is the body. It is the physical body of Jesus sent, Jesus sent to be just like us in every respect, yet without sin, and his body, the door, is the shepherd, his body nailed to the cross, our sins placed upon him, and um, what he did there was on our behalf, and it is, Jesus says, the only way to the Father, and it's done for you. That's why it's called grace. So, uh, have you come through the door? Are you still trying to kind of get there by an ism or get there by being good enough before a holy God? I remember when I came through the door, I was a little later in my life. I was a junior in college. I had never understood the gospel, but I remember finally understanding why Jesus came to earth, why Jesus died on the cross. And when that, when, when, God, when the Holy Spirit just called me to life to understand this, I could not believe that this God that I could never attain to, I could never reach, I couldn't believe that he had come to me and he had done everything necessary. I came through the door and I knew I was forgiven. I came through the door and I became one of his children. I was adopted by him for all eternity and given all the rights and privileges based on the work of another person, Jesus, that is effective for me. I just couldn't get over it when I came through the door. I remember a, uh, a poem by Sam Shoemaker that I read early in my Christian life because I really wanted to see other people come through the door because it took so long for me to understand. And the, the poem, I won't quote it to you, but it's called I Stand by the Door. And basically what it means is, is that I stand close to the door because I want to reach out and grab those people that are, are near the door and help them understand that Jesus isn't just a religious figure Jesus isn't just another column of compare and contrast world religions. Jesus, the door, is the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And how beautiful is the grace of God. And if he's the one who gave it to us, if he's the one who earned it, guess what? We can't lose it. Isn't that wonderful? We can't lose it. So, first of all is the door is the shepherd. Secondly is... We get to follow the shepherd once we have come in. Um, the, the shepherd not only leads us into salvation, into safety, but he leads us, you'll see in, in verse 8, he leads us out into the pastures of his choosing. In other words, he not only saves, we learn in this passage, he gives life more abundantly. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And here it is. And will go in and will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Into the sheepfold, this is salvation. The one who will, will allow only those who have come through him to come in out of the sheepfold with Jesus as our good shepherd. Now next week, if you want to come back, we're going to look at the whole I am the good shepherd. 
We're going to talk about what it means to hear the shepherd's voice next week and to what it means to follow him and like in real life what it means. This morning is more just about whether we are willing and desirous of him to not just be our savior but also to be our shepherd who leads us to the pasture of his choice. Um, Jesus said this. He said, I came that they might have life. The, the, the thieves, the robbers, they are there to steal, steal kill, and destroy. Satan wants to, to kill the, the, uh, the human soul, to kill the human person, to keep the human person from God. And uh, all these isms that distract us from the one and only sent from God who died for us. Uh, this, this is about killing, stealing, and destroying. Jesus says, they killed, steal, and destroy. I give life. You know, on the cross, he paid the price for our sins, right? In the resurrection, he comes back to life. And he has the ability to give life, new life, to all who come to him. In the resurrection, when you believe in Jesus, our sins are taken care of on the cross. We don't take care of them by the law. They are taken care of. And in the resurrection, He gives us a new resurrection, a brand new life that is eternal. I came that they might have life. The word is zoe, life, like the girl's name Zoe. The meaning is this, and one of my Greek dictionaries, zoe, the condition of living or being alive, especially healthiness, happiness, exuberance, joy, energy, vitality, and the like. Meaning this is the life God intends for people as they are reconnected with Him. This is zoe. It's quality of life. Jesus says, not only do I give you quality of life with me, but I give it more abundantly. And this particular word that, that is, means more abundantly means this, pertaining to a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would have expected or anticipated, like lanyard. That which is more than, more than enough, beyond the norm, I love this word, super added abundantly. Hey, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. What about you? But then we got to ask the question, why is it that our lives so often feel anything but super added? Abundant life. And I'm just going to give us a, a few reasons as I move toward a conclusion um, why this might be. Sometimes it just has to do with the fact that we are living so much, too much, by our feelings in the moment while God, who is giving us good things, we don't even feel it. We don't even acknowledge the good things of God because it's not what we're feeling in the moment. We don't live by feelings. Man doesn't live by bread alone, and he certainly doesn't live by feelings, but by what is true, what God says, what God gives. So sometimes we're just kind of too feeling-oriented. Sometimes it might be due to a worldly assessment of our lives. Simply put, we want the wrong things. 
And God refuses to throw idols into our lap so that we can love and cherish them rather than a relationship with Him. And so we, that life doesn't feel abundant because it literally is plowing down into territory that is forbidden by God, at least in terms of, of an abundant life. Those things can't deliver the kind of abundance that the human soul needs. But from a practical standpoint, this is kind of what I want to focus on, it might have to do that we love Jesus being our door, but we're not sure we want Him to be our shepherd. The door is the shepherd. He literally lies down across the gap. Remember, He literally is nailed to a cross. You can't separate the door from the shepherd. This is a package deal of the one who saves you and therefore the one who loves you and the one who wants to lead you, who will bring you in to his sheepfold and protect you and the one who will lead you out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, we go out to find the, the good pastures. And there are a lot of people who are thankful they came in, but they're not sure they want to be led out. Now, I will say the notion of His pastures, His, the, his choice of pastures for us, does not always mean that you win let me say that again. When, when Jesus, our shepherd, leads us out into the places and to the people and to the provision, the pastures that he wants us to be, it does not always mean that you win. It means that he is giving you what is best for you, what is best for your soul, and what will make you more like him and more like love. Sometimes you just can't be the person you want to be if you get everything you want. And so Jesus is leading us as our shepherd, into the pastures of his choice. It is a purposeful, kingdom-oriented, meaning-oriented, love-oriented life, and so much more than the life that we would make for ourselves if we just added, lined up our desired facts that we want to turn into our story. Do you understand where I, what I'm saying here? It's kind of an adventure because he... God, He leads us. He is our shepherd. We will lack for nothing if we follow our shepherd because it will be what He wants it to be for us. But you know, that's not even the, the biggest principle here. As important as that is, the biggest principle here is not even just about whether you are willing to follow Jesus into better pastures of His choice. The most important idea here is the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the God, wants to take you there. Wow. Let me say that again. It's not just will you, will you do this, will you do that, will you follow this. He, God in Christ loves you and wants to lead you, wants to give you wants to shape you. He wants to take you there. So let me close, because next week we're going to talk about all what it means to hear the shepherd's voice and, and follow the shepherd. But today, we can turn around, at least in our willingness. 
We could say maybe something like this. You know, that thing about just lining up preferred facts, calling it my life and asking God to bless it? That's me. That's not abundant. We, we could turn. The word is repent. It means to turn. We could turn around and we could say, God, we could either say, God, I want to follow you, Christ, my shepherd, or we could even pray, I want, I, I'm asking for you to make me willing to follow you. Maybe that's as far as we'll get in our hearts this morning. To be my shepherd and to lead me into your choice of pastures. And you know something? It's so wonderful because one day, one day we will be led into that final overwhelming place, pasture of love and provision. One day we're going through the door, Jesus, to a new Jerusalem, a new and beautiful place, the pastures of Zion together. Because Jesus is not just our door, but Jesus is our shepherd who will lead us all the way to heaven. Let's pray. Lord, the fact that you would actually, in our futility, even in our best attempts at obeying the law, we're still us. We're still more focused on ourselves than we even know. So you, you actually sent your, your son at the fullness of time, born to be one of us, born under the law. Lord Jesus, thank you that you lived a perfect life on our behalf. And when we put our faith in you, we, we get that perfect life as our record because you took our sin. Thank you that you sacrificed yourself in your body the shepherd's body on the cross. Lord, I want to turn from everything that I've called religion and I want to put my trust in everything I've called Christianity. I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me. Thank you that even now you have forgiven me because of your work, your grace, your love, your sacrifice. Thank you that even now you've adopted me forever. Thank you that even now you are my shepherd. Help us, Lord, to want to follow you. And help us even next week to learn what that means. God, there are many of us, we, we know you are our door. We, 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 we know the sheepfold. But Lord, somewhere along the way, we, we kind of began to believe that we could set up our own life better than you. And, Lord, it's not that the building material of our own lives is all bad. It's just all about us. So, God, would you cause us to turn back to you into this wonderful adventure of having a shepherd who wants to take us to the pastures of his choosing to make us to be more like him, to make us to be more like grace, love, and truth to a very thirsty and hungry world. Would you do that in our lives? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.